Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. In the 20th century, millions of black Americans who lived in southern states packed up their lives and headed north to cities like Chicago. They were drawn by the promise of greater freedom and better jobs. I'm WBEZ producer Ariane Nettles, and like a lot of black Chicagoans, my granddaddy Narvell and my grandma B were among those who left Mississippi in the 1940s and headed north. When they got here, they found success in a particular industry of the time, the blues. So when Curious City listener Charlie Davis asks the question, what role did the Great Migration play in establishing the blues industry in Chicago? I decided to trace the history of my grandparents' experience with the blues. Because if you understand their story, that'll help you understand why the music took root here and flourished. We're living in inflation, cold I already knew they owned a lounge on Chicago's South Side in the 1950s and a record label for decades after. But I was still surprised when I picked up a book on Chicago blues and found my granddaddy's name right smack in the middle. Your grandpa was a hustler. He, he wasn't a hoodlum. He, he wasn't a gangster. No, but he was a hustler. He was out there making that money. And that was the name of the game. More about my granddaddy's hustle later. Most people know that black people migrating to Chicago brought the blues with them. But Chicago had three things that made it the perfect place to start a blues business. First, by the middle of the 20th century, there was already a large community of working black folks. This was especially true in the black belt on the south side, where a majority of the city's black residents lived at the time, my family included. World War II had just ended. And in Chicago, the black community, many of whom had just arrived, laid the groundwork for what would become a booming blues industry. Here's David Whitus, author of Chicago Blues, Portraits and Stories. It was a major urban center. There were opportunities to open a club or a lounge or a bar. My granddaddy had just gotten out of the Army, and he'd always had entrepreneurial dreams. So when he got to Chicago, he could own a club because there were a lot of people in Chicago who had the money to support his business. That kind of success here, while still hard to achieve, was possible because the black people who came here still wanted to hear the blues. This migration, what Al Bell from Stax Records always affectionately called Mississippi River Culture, he says anywhere there's Mississippi River Culture, they like the blues and they like deep soul music. My grandparents came from that Mississippi River culture, and they were immersed in the music that spoke about oppression and the hard life of sharecropping. My aunt, Mary Brooks, says she remembers how my grandma B would always say she left Mississippi because she was just sick and tired of picking cotton. The reason many people left Mississippi and Alabama and everywhere is because they were tired of the circumstances there. They were tired of being boys and girls 
and they wanted to be men and women. So yeah, they came north and they brought the blues with them. And the second reason Chicago was primed for the blues, there was already a recording industry set up here. Chess Records started in 1950, and they recorded Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, and other Chicago blues artists. But Chess's owners were here before that, already a part of Chicago's music industry. And entrepreneurs like my granddaddy recognized that too. They formed many smaller but very important record labels that added to the city's robust industry. So if you were a blues musician, Chicago is where the work was. And reason number three is Chicago already had a thriving nightlife. With its history of the mafia, prohibition, and, well, paying folks to look the other way, the city was already primed for the blues industry to also grow into a nightlife ecosystem. We had loose liquor laws. We had mayors who allowed their police officers to take bribes and let the clubs open all night. We had mayors that really permitted vast areas of the South Side to be basically centers for vice. And as the Black Belt quickly filled with musicians and workers with a little money to blow, it was the perfect setup to create clubs and lounges that hosted performers and catered to guests. It was the perfect setup to put on a show. In my family, we were right in the middle of all the action. My granddaddy had the nickname Cadillac Baby, Aunt Mary again. He was a showman, so, you know, he had to be a showman to, to dress up every Saturday night in a top hat and a tuxedo. Woman, you know that I love you. As a 10-year-old in the 1950s, my aunt was old enough to remember my granddaddy's larger-than-life persona and what it was like in our family's club. Her and her sisters would sneak downstairs at night to take a peek at all the action. The performers, the people dancing, the shows. Just like the kids are rapping now, we knew the words to these songs because these were the songs we heard and this was the expression of who we were. You're gonna make all your women jump and shout. Night after night, this was the scene at Cadillac Baby Show Lounge, named after my granddaddy, who was the colorful face of the business. At some point in the evening, he would drive his Cadillac right up onto the stage and get out of the car and bow to the audience, and that was the start of the show. It was quite a flamboyant entrance, and he was a very flamboyant character. I'm your horse who love you the most. Cadillac Baby, coming to you live from the bandstand of Cadillac Baby's show lounge. He loved it. He loved the notoriety. Located at 4708 South Devon Street. And my grandma B worked diligently behind the scenes to make sure everything ran smoothly. Everybody loved him. Everybody loved B and Cadillac. Whitus, the author, says the blues industry was blossoming with black entrepreneurs making money like my grandparents. And after starting their club, they started a recording company, B and Baby Records, with my grandfather at the helm. Over the course of his career, he recorded quite a few Chicago blues artists who later became quite well known. They recorded artists like Little Mac, Hound Dog Taylor, Homesick James, and Eddie Boyd. And she won't be back no more. 
By the 1970s, tastes were changing. Some black clubs were closing. My grandparents lost their club. Some younger black listeners saw the blues as representing the past. Meanwhile, white audiences were introduced to the genre through the music of groups like Cream and the Rolling Stones. Today, you can still find blues in Chicago, but some things have changed. There are clubs on the south side and the west side, but they're very few, not like it was in the 60s. Taranzo Cannon. At 51, he's one of the younger musicians in today's Chicago blues scene. He says these days, there's a clear divide. Those places which cater to black patrons and on the north side. You have what they would call your touristy um, blues clubs. And you get a lot of people from Europe, get a lot of uh, white people to go to these clubs. But there are still black musicians keeping the tradition alive with one important message. We're still here. It doesn't just stop at B.B. King or Muddy Waters or Buddy Guy. You know, we, we're still holding on to the, to the traditions as we know it. If there's a train that will take me there. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. I'm Ariane Nettles. Oh, Lord, take me on board. Next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Everybody knows Chicago doesn't get tornadoes, right? The whole sky was just black and whirling. And you look out and see this big black funnel coming at you. Now it's turning in a twisting pattern. Run for cover. Oh my God. Oh my. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.